WRHU is underwritten in part by Christopher Cavallero and ARC Excess and Surplus, LLC. ARC Excess and Surplus is a wholesale insurance brokerage that offers professional liability products and services. Information about ARC is available at arcbrokers.com. That's arcbrokers.com. WRHU programming is underwritten by The Inn at Fox Hollow, located in Woodbury, New York. The Inn at Fox Hollow is a hotel and also offers catering and event services. The Inn at Fox Hollow is located at 7755 Jericho Turnpike in Woodbury. Information can be found at www.theinnatfoxhollow.com and at 800 291 8090. The Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell supports programming on WRHU Radio Hofstra University. Information about the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell can be found at medicine.hofstra.edu. Carmela's Pizzeria and Restaurant is proud to support WRHU Radio Hofstra University. Carmela's Pizzeria and Restaurant is located at 910 Hempstead Turnpike in Franklin Square, four miles west of Hofstra University. Carmela's Pizzeria and Restaurant menu includes pizza, pasta, and other Italian food specialties in addition to catering. Carmela's Pizzeria and Restaurant features on-site dining and delivers food. More information about Carmela's Pizzeria and Restaurant of Franklin Square can be found at 516-488-488. 9898 and online at www.pizzafranklinsquare.com. WRHU programming is underwritten in part by Shift Education of Technology. Located in Long Island City, New York, Shift Education of Technology offers training for careers in information technology within the software quality assurance profession. More information about Shift Education of Technology is available online at shiftedtech.com or you can call at 718 718- 713-1844. Jim Metzger and the Whitmore Insurance Group Garden City underwrites programming on WRHU. The Lawrence Herbert School of Communication is a proud supporter of WRHU, Radio Hofstra University. Information about the Lawrence Herbert School of Communication can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at hofstra.edu slash Herbert. WRHU programming is underwritten by Chateaubriand Catering. In Carl Place, New York, Chateaubriand offers catering and event services. Chateaubriand is located at 440 Old Country Road in Carl Place. Information can be found at www.chateaubriand.com and at 516-334-6125. Proudly broadcasting from the Richard Philip Cavallaro Studio. R-H-U. Hempstead. You discovered. A National Association of Broadcasters multiple Marconi Award winning station. W-R-H-U. Radio Hofstra University. Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549.
You're listening to 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University, broadcasting live from the Richard Philip Cavallero studio. And that was, of course, No Tears Left to Cry off the Sweetener album by Ariana Grande. Always a fun one. Welcome to the not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but the best day of the week, Friday edition of the Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. We're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. It's me, Luke Farrell, joined by at the board today, Rachel Hyatt. And, of course, to my left, always wonderful, and two weeks in a row as a guest host, Alexa Servo, and the final show for Matthew D. Domenico today, our reporter, definitely a big vibe today. And today we'll also be discussing Disney Plus subscriptions and Airbnb's popularity increase on the rundown today. So... Rachel, you were telling us before you have no tears left to cry. What's going on? Yes, I am just so, so getting ready for finals next week. So I'm like, I have to play No Tears Left to Cry because (laughs) I really don't have any tears left to cry. But I thought that was a great start to our morning. Had to play Ariana Grande. Finals next week. I've had finals this week. All these papers I've got. Well, no, not like tests, but like those projects. That's that's fair. I had like a research paper and I have like my improv class. I had like, we had like a final scene. That what was what was your paper on? Do you know what you had? My research paper, I did it on why kids should be vaccinated in schools because we just had to do like a social controversy topic and she just gave us one. So I just wrote like three pages about that. Nice. Alexa, what, any, uh, any plans? What, what do you got happening this week? Uh, nothing crazy except really just studying and writing papers. I am excited though because I tried to stay on top of them this year. So I have only two more papers or one paper to finish one paper to write, and then just straight tests next week. I have two tests. So I kind of tried to give myself time to study. I'm hoping that that works out for me, but we'll see. I, I tried. I don't know. I'll, I'll panic in like three days or yeah. something. Matt, how are we doing on finals? What's the uh, consensus? Um, you know, lots of uh, extension requests to the professors, lots of panicking, lots of sweating, <laughs> lots of... <laughs> All that really, yes. um, which is just you know a familiar now. Uh, by, by by this time, senior year, it's you know, um, it, this is this is this is what it is. Uh, mm. So now I'm just you know buckling in, getting it down, and uh, ready to uh, get that cap and gown, baby. There you go. Yeah. As long as you don't get the ink, you'll get the ink on your diploma. So that's the important <laughs> part. Boom. No, no ink completes there. We don't need it. Otherwise, though, we are going to start off on the first story of the day. Yes. Uh, so apparently on Wednesday, you know what? Disney Plus released their big subscriber earnings. Of course, Netflix had their drop of 200,000 subscribers in that one quarter. Disney, though, added a whopping 7.9 million new subscribers. Uh, so really big for them. Um, but they're also going to introduce an ad-supported tier as well that Netflix was also trying to do. Uh, so that's also going to help them in their own base. Um, but also, it's not always blue skies and sunshine guaranteed, as the Princess and the Frog song says. Because, uh, of course, Disney did take about an $800 million hit for direct-to-consumer works, uh, mainly in the areas for ESPN Plus and Hulu uh, that it goes for as well. Uh, so I guess, well, what is the big indicator for Disney Plus? Do we like Disney Plus? Do we have a other favorite streaming service? What do we think is going on here? So I say when looking at all the streaming services currently, I think that most of us can agree that Disney Plus is the most popular, at least right now, and pretty successful at this point in time. I know Alexa disagrees with me as I, I was do a little, reading I am, her I'm talking points. I'm going into this conversation <laughs> a Netflix stand still. <laughs> But that's Ooh, just me. No, Listen, <laughs> I like the documentaries on Netflix. I don't okay. get those documentaries on Disney+. Plus. That's but fair. it does fall a close second behind. Yeah. And I think with their 7.9 million subscriber jump, it's safe to say that a lot of people have specific reasons why they're choosing 
Disney over like things like Netflix or Hulu and stuff like that. But also Disney Plus has that like ESPN and Hulu bundle. So I think that's also where they get a lot of subscribers. And as there there are a number of people who are either going to watch Disney Plus to either watch their childhood like favorite show or watch a new movie that just came out because I know a lot of the new movies have been going on Disney Plus rather than you going in the theater I think you can like rent them actually on a there lot now. of them do that yeah. yeah so that's pretty convenient for people who still don't want to go to the movie theaters and also I think Disney Plus is creating a lot of original content lately I know that there's been quite a bit of tv series that have come out recently one, uh, one thing I'll say in terms of the Disney Plus aspect is that Disney obviously had that issue when the pandemic came because their parks weren't generating a bunch mm-hmm. of revenue. Because granted, the theme parks are where people go, right? I mean, yeah. you know, when you go to Disney World, that's where everybody's going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but necessarily, uh, the issue that there was for them is that, of course, the parks weren't there. But granted, the article does say that the parks have rebounded in their services. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Disney has their 50th anniversary coming up or has been happening at least. So that's been big for them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, though, they had a big uh, tax burden that was going on for, I guess, like tax haven they had with their own little district in Florida oh uh, that Florida actually had taken out through legislation, apparently, uh, during the time. Yeah, so. I did not know about that. Matt, you have something to say. Um, You know, he, uh, all I'm hearing is Disney this, Netflix that, but wh- where are my Hulu people at, man? Like, <laughs> that's, that's my jam because it has all the anime I want to watch. And that's all I need. <laughs> that's really all I need. With the, you know, Drake and Josh too, and they got Drake all and the... Josh is on Hulu. Oh yeah, no, they I Hulu has that. Hulu has gems on gems on gems. They like what I love I about it like... is they've almost I feel like gone out of their way to like capture a huge sector of like the childhood favorites in terms of oh TV. They got regular show. They got I know Gravity they have Falls. Big time rush on there, I think. They have, I think Netflix. I think also they have Big Time Rush. rush. They have, mm-hmm. um, like I said, Drake and Josh. They have a lot of heavy hitters, and um, you know that's that's where I stake my claim. Hulu, Hulu has had my back since uh, 2018, and uh, we we haven't gone back since. Do you have the Disney Plus like ESPN Hulu bundle, or would you get it? Um. I would get it. I just don't happen to have it because I don't have money. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, I, w- I would definitely think about uh, think about it. I know I was using my uh, friend's uh, Disney Plus account for years after we stopped being friends. So maybe I have to, <laughs> hop, maybe I have to hop back on that. Netflix wouldn't let you. They'd be like, I'll take those passwords. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Netflix would have somebody knocking at my door at 3 a.m. <laughs> being like, that is very true. what are you doing? Yeah, I think when it like with Hulu, there's nothing there's nothing against Hulu, but I feel like Netflix and Disney Plus have these like huge names mm-hmm. that they've built for them. I mean, well, Disney Plus didn't have to build its own name because Disney kind of did that in like for yeah. years now they've been building this empire. So Disney Plus is just one more thing for them to throw on. But Netflix has been around forever. And they built that name for themselves. I feel like Hulu, even though it's been around for a long time, is one of those, it's like, okay, this is here and it's cool, but we already have Netflix. And everyone kind of stuck to Netflix for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, though, my brother uses Hulu a lot for anime. So I see what you're saying. I just never, like, I just never went on to Hulu to browse. I don't think I've ever even... I've never even opened Hulu on I don't think like I have either. I have like a like a streaming like I don't have cable in my bedroom. I just have like a streaming device so I get like mm-hmm. Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus. I don't think I've ever even opened the Hulu app. I would I would recommend it, but funny you were saying, you know, about Netflix kind of being the first. A lot of what a lot of people forget are those commercials where um they were the step that they were essentially what killed Blockbuster. Yep. They mm-hmm. were you, you remember the advertisements in maybe like 2012 where they were basically like no longer having to, you know, return your movies on a rainy day. Like I remember specifically that commercial where the rain's falling hard and the guy, you know, um has to bring his um has to bring the uh, a CD or whatever back and um they were the step into streaming. So Netflix, I feel like unless, you know, some some stuff continues to go down for them, I I you know, they're they're the originators you know they they really yeah. are the ones who did it first and and made a huge impact and kind of paved the way for um you know folks like 
Disney Plus um, and uh, Hulu, as as I was mentioning, and all these other streaming services. I guess bring, bringing it back for the Disney Plus section. I know Rachel, you mentioned like the peak area of where Disney yeah. Plus could be. Where where do you all think that peak is? Because of course you had issues with a lot of movie rights when mm -hmm. obviously they changed the requirements for releasing them out yeah. after the theaters, and you had you know I know Scarlett Johansson uh, had been um, off on mm -hmm. about the Black Widow situation with her not getting yeah. the specific royalties for being in theaters. Mm -hmm. But where do you find those peaks? to be you think when it comes I around. think they just have to buy Netflix buy Hulu buy everything <laughs> but then you're a monopoly right well, then they gotta yeah. break I mean, them up I think for Disney Plus right now like they they discussed Netflix had a peak and then a small mm -hmm. decline that I don't think has really picked up um with Disney Plus like this could very well be their peak mm -hmm. and it could be followed by the same decrease that um you know Netflix was netflix had so that being said i also think there's a possibility that maybe disney plus is going to look at the path that netflix took and say okay yeah. well what can we do differently and maybe they won't have that decrease but i think it's more likely that they will um and i also think you know uh, i don't remember i think rachel you have it in your talking points mm -hmm. about um when the parks reopen yeah. or when the parks when more people are comfortable going mm -hmm. out um not even just to the disney parks i mean like in general like to the movie theater yeah. um it, it just going out in general mm -hmm. i think not just disney plus but all streaming services are gonna have that decline just yeah. because no one wants to be home now um i mean people have been home for two and a half years now that they're like okay well now if it's safe for me to leave my home then i'm gonna do like i'm gonna do that when i'm I'm, I've been going out, um, safely going out um, with my family, but I know there's people who are still not comfortable with that. And once more people become comfortable with that, then they're not going to be using these streaming services. Speaking of, uh, I guess, going to the movie theaters, you saw Doctor Strange. I've seen Doctor twice, Strange yes. twice now. How, how was it? I, I know there's been a little, I I'd say a little bit of mixed reviews, but what, um, what do you think? Personally, I do, I do like the movie. I think the movie is more... It's more of a Wanda movie than a Doctor Strange movie. Mm. Um, it's a little bit darker, in my opinion, than other Marvel movies. Storyline and graphics, like it, like both ways. That doesn't mean it's bad, though. I just think you have to keep an open mind when you go in to see it. Because it, I personally feel like it's a little bit different than mm -hmm. um, past Marvel movies. How was a Evil Bandit Cumberbatch? Was that worth it to watch? <laughs> oh, my God. It's actually... <laughs> It's kind of funny watching because it's like there's um there's a couple different Doctor Stranges because obviously multiverse of madness. Mm -hmm. um, so just watching him encompass all those different versions of himself was really it's actually really interesting. It's cool. Yeah. And I think going off what you said earlier, Alexa, Disney's release plan was kind of strategic and convenient, even though they weren't expecting the pandemic because they released it in like November of 2019, but then that was the peak of the pandemic. So I think that's where they also got a lot of people because they were, others were like, oh, I'm going to binge my favorite shows on Disney Plus. Like we're all in quarantine. And there was that long period of time during the peak of COVID where a lot of people wanted to watch Disney Plus. And I think right now, Luke, as you asked, I think Disney Plus is at their peak right now and they're going to reach the top. And as parks are opening, like even Broadway shows are opening up. I know they had Hamilton on Disney Plus, but people are going to go back to watch those shows live in person as, you know, COVID kind of everyone figures out what to do and how comfortable they are with going out. So I think that's going to be a big part of it, too. I mean, I, I guess what an aspect they could work on is probably just promoting more TV shows, just mm -hmm. because obviously if the movies are going to go back, everyone's going to want to go and see, let's say, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man, whatever the case may be, just focus on the TV show aspect, because obviously people are still cutting cable, right? They don't want to pay those costs. Then at the mm -hmm. same time, though, you pay like $14 a month for each service. And at that point, it kind of adds up to cable. But mm -hmm. uh, nevertheless, I think that's definitely a possibility for them uh, to go through with that. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, though, uh, Matt, I know you have your uh, report that you have for us for today for the last one. How are we feeling? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Go for it. Go okay. for yeah, it. You're good. Let's, let's go do ahead. it. All right. Um, so good morning, everybody. Uh, if I'm on air on Friday mornings, it means one thing and one thing only. I'm going to talk about music. 
So I'm going to give you guys some tracks to fit into your rotation, 100% satisfaction guaranteed. First off, I've been bumping this one nonstop. I'm talking about Who's Loving You by the Jackson 5, as recommended to me by my girlfriend. Thank you, Jane. Uh, this is a sweet and slow soul number with uh, just some beautiful, gorgeous vocals from uh, young MJ. And if you like that vintage soul sound, man, this is your ticket. Once again, that's uh, Who's Loving You by the Jackson 5. Give it a shot. I've been really put on uh, heavy uh, onto the uh, Beach Boys this year, and it seems like every couple of weeks I find yet another song that wows me from them. Caroline No is a cl is a, the closer to their legendary record, Pet Sounds, and man, what a way to wrap up such a great album. Uh, it's a teary-eyed uh, tale of watching somebody you love uh, change as uh, time passes. Uh, just like uh, nearly every sound on a, a Pet Sounds, it's backed with just uh, amazing instrumentation that elevates the mood and really supports the sentiment behind the song. And man, if you consider yourself somebody who really likes music, who really is into listening to records all the way through, give Pet Sounds a shot. Uh, and uh, at the very end, you'll uh, see what I was talking about with uh, Caroline No. Uh, and then uh, lastly, we'll end things off with a king. And I'm not talking about Elvis. I'm not talking about King Crimson. I'm not talking about BB. And I'm not talking about Cole. And I'm not talking about King Kendrick, though I will in a bit. I'm talking about King Push. Pusha T, who came out with his uh, latest album, It's Almost Dry, a few weeks ago. As much as I'd like to talk about how much I like this record, uh, I'm going to give you guys just three songs to check out from it. If you like rappers like Biggie Smalls, Nas, Freddie Gibbs, and anyone from Gazelda or Wu-Tang, uh, listen good, because you you will not be disappointed. Uh, first, we have Dreaming with the Past, with some amazing production from Kanye, as well as a decent verse um, from him on the back half. Let the Smokers Shine the Coops um, has a thrilling beat from Pharrell, my God, uh, definitely a, st uh, a standout on the record, and... Lastly, with production from Pharrell, you have Call My Bluff with features just a cold-blooded, eerie delivery from Push I just can't get enough of. And once again, that's Dreaming of the Past, Call My Bluff, and Let the Smokers Shine the Coops. And uh, as I uh, promised, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a little, about, uh, a little about that new Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is out now. I stayed up uh, all night to give this thing a listen because I was crazy excited and Kendrick hit us with a left hook on this one. I was not expecting really much that happened here. Um, and it's funny because when he was doing this stuff with Baby Keem, like, you know, um, Family Ties and Range Brothers where, you know, he's uh, honestly he was like going like his he was being made into sounds on TikTok because some of his inflections were that goofy, like amazing brother pop off only an occasion brother like these weird asides that we never heard from Kendrick before and he actually continues them to an extent on this record but he scratches some new he, he covers some new ground um uh narratively speaking uh, on the um second disc of this record yeah there there is two discs we have 18 new tracks on this thing so there's a lot to uh dig through but uh, there's one in particular where he's basically talking about how his um, aunt uh, transitioned uh, transitioned into um, becoming a man, and he was talking about that experience and how um, and and how his community, how his culture was usually not used to that, and how um, he he really covered that narrative in just a really thoughtful and and, and thought provoking way that no rapper I feel like has ever done and. This, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it more listens, but uh, has anyone here uh, had, had the opportunity? No, not no. yet. Haven't gotten around to it. It's, uh, what I would say is that it's definitely not what you'd expect. And this isn't, a, this isn't Damn, this isn't a Pippa oh. Butterfly, this isn't a Good Kid Mad City. This is a weird album. What, is, so what would you say on like a rating scale? You I, could, I couldn't say what... I'm not gonna do uh, Kung Fu Kenny like that. You can't just, you know, you can't just give a number on, on after one listen. At least, at least in my perspective, you have to. Um, at least for me, I, I gotta, I gotta. This is 18 tracks. I gotta, you know, really sit with it, see what I think, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make my, uh, I'll make my, uh, you know, final thoughts after, after I do that. But uh, as of right now, it's. You know, definitely, there's going to be a lot of people that's go that are going to listen to this and be like, "What the heck is going on?" But um, I think, in some ways, a lot of people are going to love this, and 
regardless, I, I do respect the uh, change in pace from Kendrick because this is definitely a change. And it's a bold it's a bold change, especially after being out of the game for five years to just come with so many crazy ideas. But uh, that's uh, Kendrick Lamar for you. He's he's um, he changes the game. He he changes his style. He's not afraid to be bold, to be experimental, to be free. And I think this is just another example of that. I'm never a big fan of those like 18 track albums though. Like, do you feel like there's some songs or just anything that has a long album like that that just don't really need to be in there? Could oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, I could go on forever about how the fact uh, the fact that so many rappers stream troll. Like they mm. just put out these monstrous projects. What, like that, Race from it had like a triple album or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's like the worst case scenario. But like when uh, Drake dropped Scorpion and that was like. 25 tracks yeah. that you just don't need from anyone, let alone just, you know, not even Drake. Um, and and Migos continue to drop really bloated albums. Just a lot of people are, are kind of taking advantage of the streaming um, of, of, of streaming services and that they're just dropping these monstrous projects and expecting everyone to listen to every song and it's just getting, yeah, just putting them more money in their pocket. Granted, you know, I, I can't necessarily hate on it because streaming services, specifically Spotify, do not um, pay their uh, artists as well as they should. And that's, you know, a problem that's been persisting. And uh, hopefully that that'll be remedied. But I don't think this is <laughs> dropping gigantic uh, records is, is, is not um, is not the solution to that problem. Granted. Um, what I will say is, you know, if it's a good album, I'm not going to complain. If it's 18 tracks, all killer, no filler, I'm not going to complain. But, um, you know, if, it, if it's a lot of just things that, you know, should have been left on the cutting room floor, I, I can do without. Any uh, any songs you all listening to, Alexa, Rachel, anything big? Um, I mean, I'm not really into rap music like we were discussing. I do feel like I need to put some clown makeup on because I was expecting Taylor Swift to drop an album today. And <laughs> what do you mean? Because she put out This Is Love and you're like, you're she thinking 1999 coming? She put out This Love last week. She dropped mm -hmm. merchandise. And she is notoriously known for dropping music on Friday the 13th. And this Ooh, is the only Friday the 13th of all of 2022. You know what? And I was talking it up. I was like, Taylor Swift is going to drop well, She'll do it at 1.13, and then that's military time, so it's 13.13 <laughs> on Friday the 13th. I, I like the Listen, I wouldn't put <laughs> no. it past her. I honestly would not put it past her. I just feel like there would have been a warning mm -hmm. or something. No. Something would have come out. I saw Alexa at Starbucks the other day. This girl gave me like a five-minute research report about how Taylor <laughs> Swift is probably going to release something on she, Friday. She's supposed to. It's Friday the 13th. Mm. She's been teasing she mostly 1989, but a little bit of Speak Now. Mm -hmm. And not to get into this, but in, <laughs> in her music video from a couple weeks ago, she dropped some hints that twenty. it was 26 weeks ago. I read this online. She dropped some hints that she would be dropping something today and I don't see anything My, my friend out. is a huge Taylor Swift like stan and whatnot and so a she Swiftie. literally texted me like this is love just got released and yeah. I was like okay does that mean anything? She's like this thing on the wall means she's gonna release 1989. <laughs> no, I'm like, I, I That's love, what I mean. <laughs> I love music music fans like that like for, for yeah. so many artists they'll be these they'll make these conspiracy theories I, kind of. I have tons of theories about oh, Taylor Swift it. but mm -hmm. apparently they were all wrong because she didn't drop an album today. <laughs> no. Listen hey, the, day is, the, the day is young the, the day, day is young. I'm military kind, time is, is real. Your, your horoscope will tell you she'll release an album. <laughs> I, she better, because all hands point to yes, but yes. she hasn't given me anything else since uh, okay, this but love. To be, to be fair, to be fair, you got two albums, if I'm not mistaken, in 2021, or at least you got one in tw uh, 2021. But I, yeah, Folklore Evermore, yep. Yeah. We got Folklore, right? we got Evermore, we got Fearless, uh, Taylor's version, we got Red yeah, You guys version. got, listen... <laughs> Listen, all right. We had to wait five years for this Kendrick album. We had to sit in silence. That's well, not, that's even not Taylor's fault. <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> I, I, this is my conspiracy theory. It is Taylor's fault. No. All of this is Taylor's fault. But um, no, I, I, I have to give her more, uh, more of a listen for sure um, when I get the chance. But just to end on one note, Luke, I know we're both Harry Styles fans, mm -hmm. so the album coming out next Friday. Okay. Any Harry Styles fans listening right now, 
please please let me know the review on the album next Friday. But, I'm excited. But you said it got leaked though, no? Yeah, it did get leaked, but I'm not looking at that. Yeah, don't listen to no. leaked music. You I wanna never, hear it. Never would. You wanna hear the real thing. I wanna hear I wanna hear it at midnight Patience May twentieth. Like no, exactly. Patience is a virtue. All right. We're going to move on. Yeah, but going into our next story, we're going to be talking about how Airbnb's popularity increase does not go without a few challenges. So according to a CNN article, Airbnbs or Airbnb breakfast have been the top options to book within the first quarter of 2022. With over 100 million bookings reported, quote, the home sharing platform posted revenue of $1.5 billion, up 70% compared to the year prior and exceeding the one. $1.45 billion expected by analysts surveyed by Refinitiv. Factors of the increased revenue growth were not only more bookings, but the continued strength of the average daily rate, which is $168 this year. As the company's growth still comes amidst the war in Ukraine, ongoing pandemic, and macroeconomic headwinds, over 34,000 people signed to approve the offer of giving free temporary housing for up to 100,000 refugees in Ukraine earlier this year. As summer arrives, the company hopes to have even more bookings while people partake in a travel rebound and with hopes that some people may book with Airbnb who may have not traveled since before the pandemic. While it has been common for people to book an Airbnb for 28 days or more throughout certain seasons, half the bookings still remain for at least seven nights but may change as the year progresses. And despite the company's popularity growth, there have been some challenges of people hosting unauthorized parties during summer, and there has been worries involving the approaching holidays. So the company said that they will be enforcing strict anti-party measures for Memorial Day and Fourth of July this summer, and added measures will be enforced saying that any U.S. users without a history of positive reviews will prohibit other users from booking a home for only one night. And as there have even been several casualties in the last two years, they are hoping these measures remain effective for summer 2022. So have you guys ever, ever stayed in an Airbnb, ever booked an Airbnb? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to note, I know we talked about how COVID definitely led to like a, a decrease in booking uh, Airbnbs. But I think probably as COVID starts to fade a little bit, um, I think a large portion of airbnb's popularity has to do with covid just like from my own personal experience my family we went to maine for a weekend um in february and we stayed in this beautiful cabin on a lake through airbnb because we didn't want to stay in a hotel where a lot of people mm -hmm. would be going in and out that's a lot of contact with a lot of people um so when it comes to things like that i think people um, who are just gaining, the, like, their comfort levels are finally going back up after the pandemic, Airbnb might be a really good idea for them just because you stay away from other people. Mm -hmm. And if that's what their fear is, like, obviously, if you're going to a place like Disney World, you're, you're staying in an Airbnb. It's kind of pointless because you're going to be around people all the time. Yeah. But if you're going somewhere nice and relaxed, um, like, some sort of, like, I know a lot of people go to like Ocean City, Maryland, New Jersey, like places like that where you're outside, you're on a boardwalk, you're on the beach. Staying in an Airbnb instead of a hotel might be what a lot of people want to do to avoid that contact. So I think probably um, like as things start to loosen up a bit, we'll see their popularity soar even more. Mm -hmm. I know uh, for me, I went to... Uh Gosh, this was May of 21. I went for a wedding that got postponed three times due to COVID. And uh, I went upstate to go to an Airbnb, and it was pretty nice. You know, we had, like, a lot of our cousins over there. And it was, like, in it, like uh, Alexa was saying, kind of like a secluded area, which was kind of nice, you know, nice and private around there. Uh, but I went to a hotel to go for Boston, and I'm usually more of a hotel fan to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the free breakfast you might get. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's an atmosphere. It's it's a unique atmosphere for sure. Yes. The the thing for my family, though, is that since I'm a triplet, it's like we have so many people in our Wait, family. You're a triplet? That's right. I'm a triplet. <laughs> yeah. oh, so there's three of me. But um, no, we, we would go there. And the thing is, we wouldn't really have enough beds and stuff. So what I do is I'm the one that volunteers to go sleep on the floor. So, you know, my hotel experience in that regard might not be the greatest. Uh, but nevertheless, I enjoy that there's a lot of privacy people that want to utilize that. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's better for them. All these unauthorized parties, I could definitely see how that happens uh, yeah. from time to time. Yeah. Especially um, over, like, 
holidays like that when you know there's like teenagers renting yeah. these because once mm. you hit 18 i know some some people put limits on it like i tried to rent an airbnb with my friends last summer um and they were like sorry you have to be 21 but mm. it depends on the person who owns the house it depends on where you're staying so i think putting those party measures in place especially for the people who are okay with renting their house out mm -hmm. to you 18 and up that's definitely a good thing because i mean you 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 don't know who you're renting out to and some teenagers are renting this house just to get away from their their families and go get you know drunk with their friends you don't you don't want that in in your house yeah, and I think it's safe to say that there does need to be these strict party measures because it's pretty easy now as you're booking an Airbnb to maybe take your parents' like credit card or their information and just like book it online. Or even when looking at the age requirements, like it's easy for them to just book a stay for one night and then all of these, you know, unauthorized parties are happening, especially for the holidays in the summer because I feel like they're not there's not a lot of people around depending on where the airbnb is if it's secluded or not but not a lot of people are seeing these kids party for just like the one night how much would you say is the owner's responsibility for that and then also the person that books the airbnb's responsibility for that i mean i want to say it's not fully the owner's mm -hmm. fault because you want i i understand wanting to rent out your house if that's how you're making money if that's one of your sources of income and and maybe say like say you have a house no one's booked it in a while you just kind of want to get it out there i wouldn't blame them for just booking it and seeing what happens there's a lot of people who are very trusting mm -hmm. and do book to 18 and up and i mean obviously as someone who's 18 i'm i'm grateful for those people because mm -hmm. when i do want to go away with my friends that's what i'm looking for um but that being said, maybe there needs to be more of like a background check say, yeah. on who you're renting your house out to for mm -hmm. a day or two. Um, as much as like, I it, it's mostly like the renter's fault. Yeah. I think like, I don't think it's all of the owners of the Airbnb's fault, like you said, Alexa, because you can't know what a person is like or how they're going to treat the rental or how they're going to act or what they're going to do there because there's not a lot of background checks. It's just usually their like billing information, their name, like birthday, stuff like that. So I think it's also hard to check that. But last year I took a trip to New Hampshire with my friends. We went to Lake Winnipesaukee. I don't know if anyone's ever been there, mm -hmm. but it's really nice. And we stayed in an Airbnb and I have never stayed at one until then. And it's so crazy how like I know most of them are rental homes like people actually used to live there and they're just renting them out but I was like this feels like I have like a new house or something yeah like, it's it's nice and I thought it was convenient because we didn't really want to stay in a really public place because of COVID and I thought it was nice it was just really secluded and we didn't have to worry so about other people do you, so you okay I've never booked an Airbnb mm -hmm. do they do something like um like I know Uber, for example, you have a rating as a customer mm -hmm. and the drivers can see what you're rated when they pick you up. Does Airbnb have something like that? Like mm -hmm. if you're renting. I would have to think so. I think they have a checklist like if there's like any free breakfast or like they have. I'm just wondering, things. like if, yeah. if you're renting out an Airbnb as a customer, do you have a customer rating? Like are the people who rent out their houses allowed to go on and say, well, they left my house in shambles. Mm. I have a I, I have a broken plate. I have a broken window. They destroyed my couch. Like, yeah. are they allowed to go on and, and rate these customers? Because then that gives warning to whoever else is looking to rent out their house to other mm -hmm. people on my uh sleuthing over here uh, apparently hosts uh can see how often they get five stars on reviews and you can also compare yourself to other hosts around so i guess mm -hmm. in that aspect for reviews you can see that i think that's just for hosts though is it not is it, is yeah it i don't know if there's any owner uh, any uh, i was yeah, gonna say ones. i think it's just if you're the one who rented the airbnb you can leave a review on how you enjoyed it but i don't think the owners can like bash the customers and be like oh they left like this this and this but I know when we went there there was a lot of I don't know if all Airbnbs do this but there was a lot of notes around the house mm -hmm. that the owner said what to do where like how you turn this on mm -hmm. please leave this here like don't do this when, I, when we rented our Airbnb they had a guest book at the front and everybody <laughs> signs the guest book when they come in Aww. so that was kind of cool and you That's can leave cute. like notes like there was one okay this house was like super secluded tiny back road like 
nobody would ever drive by it ever but there were like notes people leave notes when they leave like there was one guy who was writing about how he stayed there for like two months just to get work done during the pandemic because the view was beautiful and he left like this whole long message about how great it was to stay there i like when they do stuff like that because then you can go back and look and be like oh this Mm -hmm. is cute well to wrap up our airbnb conversation i hope anyone this summer who's going to airbnbs enjoy it nonetheless and be respectful and be respectful Mm -hmm. yes but we are going to go to an interview. So earlier this week, Danny DiCrescenzo spoke to recent Hofstra grad Katerina Bellales about her career as a morning anchor and producer at WENY. So let's take a listen. I am Danny DiCrescenzo, joined by Katerina Bellales. She graduated from Hofstra with a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism and Drama in 2021. And now she's a morning news anchor and producer at WENY TV at Elmira, New York. Katerina, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thanks, Danny. It's great to be here. So I definitely want to talk to you about, you know, you were, you went to Hofstra and now you work in the TV journalism industry and you're from Connecticut. So what made you choose Hofstra University? Oh gosh. Well, originally going into uh, the whole college experience, I wanted to be a musical theater major and I kind of wanted to do journalism on the side. But once I toured all the schools, Hofstra was one of them. I wanted to have a campus experience while still being close to New York City. And Hofstra is exactly that on Long Island. And I was so entranced by the whole school of communications and all the opportunities that it had to offer. And when I realized that I could both double major in journalism and drama and not just do one or the other, I knew that it was the school for me. So that's why I chose Hofstra. And near the end of your college career, it was marked by the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you talk about being caught in that situation and how you navigated it? Yeah, sure. So I wouldn't say it was necessarily the end of my career. Thankfully, I still had one more year where I was able to at least still be on campus for the majority of my senior year and participate in WRHU and the Heat Network while just wearing a mask and social distancing. But I remember my junior year, interning at my dream internship at the Today Show, having the best time of my life at WRHU, the Heat Network internship, all that. And then COVID happened and lockdown happened. And we were thankfully able to still do all of our activities over social social media and Zoom. And I was still able to do my internship from home, but of course it wasn't the same. Uh, Thankfully, Hofstra University, I remember my biggest concern was going remote again for the fall semester and possibly even spring of 2021 and having my senior year being taken away from me like that. Thankfully, Hofstra University was able to have the majority of classes on campus, at least for the School of Communications, as well as the drama department as well. And thankfully, I was able to still get internships. Uh, My fall semester of my senior year, I interned at CNN's Aaron Burnett Outfront that was a virtual internship which i was very thankful for and i would say the hardest part about the whole COVID 19 pandemic was not gonna lie fighting for those internships because you weren't just fighting with people in the new york city area but you were fighting with people all over the nation considering it was virtual and a lot of times these companies were now giving these internships to students in California and Florida and Texas that wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise to have those internships. So I was very thankful to still get one at CNN my uh, my fall semester of senior year. But other than that, I mean, just constantly using hand sanitizer, wearing a mask, social distancing on campus, following Hofstra's rules that they had during my senior year. That was probably the biggest thing that I did to ensure my health, my coworkers' health, my my classmates' health, to make sure we were all safe and continuing to strive to be the best that we possibly could be for uh, WRHU and for the Heat Network. Well, that's definitely uh, admirable, and that's great. And you mentioned the competitive nature of finding internships in this new normal. So when you got out of here, you were hired by WENY-TV in August. Uh, Can you talk about how you got hired by them? Sure. So I made a reel um, of both my my uh, WRHU work that I did as an anchor and producer for both Newsline and the screening room. And I also made a separate reel for my television work as the head news anchor on Heat Network's Hofstra Today. And I uploaded both onto my website, onto my YouTube channel. I put both of them on my LinkedIn and 
when you put those reels on your LinkedIn and on your YouTube, and if you set it to public, always set it to public. That's probably my biggest piece of advice I could give for students heading into this world. Because if you set it on private and you just send it to specific companies that you're applying for, you're not going to have certain opportunities that could easily come to you because I didn't apply to my job. My news director that now on my station now actually found my reel on YouTube and she reached out to me saying, hi, we have the weekday morning position morning anchor and producer position open for the female role. And I came across your reel on YouTube. I think it could be a great fit. Would you like to do an interview? And a lot of other news stations did that for me as well. And I originally didn't want to move to Elmira simply because it was a little too far away from home for me and my friends and family. I wanted to stay in the Connecticut and New York City area. But when I saw morning news anchor and producer, which is my dream job that if you asked me during college what my dream job would, would be, I would always say morning news anchor. And to be offered that job right out of college, which is something that if you ask any broadcast journalism professor at any institution, not just Hofstra, like if it's possible, most of them say no. Most say that you're going to be a reporter in the field being an MMJ, a one-man band. So when I saw it, my dream job in front of me right out of college, I said, of course, I'm going to interview for it. Absolutely. And thankfully, I was offered the job and I moved in August and I've been working there ever since. That is just incredible. It's awesome that you did get that dream job you've been thinking about for so long. So I want to talk about it with you. Walk me through a day of your job as an anchor and producer at WENY. All right, so not going to lie, I, as much as I love the job, the hours are brutal. I had to kind of rearrange my entire schedule for a normal morning show. At When you think about just anchoring a morning show, usually they go in around 3.30 in the morning for a 5 a.m. show, or maybe like go in at 4 a.m. for a 6 a.m. show, something like that. For me, considering I'm also producing the show, I have to go in at midnight. So I go in at midnight, I start working on writing scripts for the show in our program ENPS, which is what we also used at WRHU to create our rundowns and our scripts. So I was very thankful to have that experience under my belt already. So we create the show, we rearrange, we write the stories, rearrange them. And then once we do all of that, we get ready for the show. That's around 4am, I want to say. Uh, get ready, hair, makeup. We don't have makeup artists. We don't have hairstylists. We do that all about ourselves. And then from 5 to 7 a.m., we run our show, Good Morning Twin Tears, on ABC and CBS. We air on both channels, as well as the CW. So we air that show from 5 to 7 a.m. From 7 to 7.30, we do what we call cut-ins. So if you watch, let's say, Good Morning America, CBS Mornings, or even the Today Show, they do that on NBC as well. They usually, at, at every half hour, cut into the local news channel to do a quick news update, quick weather update. So we always pre-record those, and those are our cut-ins. So we film that until 7.30 a.m., as well as any other maybe little commercials that would air throughout the day, little promos. And then from 7.30 to 8 a.m., I usually post to our website. So I'll either write articles on stories that we wrote uh, that we had in our news broadcast, or we will take stuff from the AP wire and CNN wire. And with CNN, of course, always make sure that it's unbiased because it does lean a little bit to the left. AP news is pretty straightforward, pretty unbiased. So I don't have to necessarily worry about that as much, but still, if you don't have any, let's say local news stories to run, because some days there's just nothing new at four in the morning in your area. So we'll technically run national news stories at that point and take from the wires. And then by 8 a.m., usually I am ready to head out the door and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds very, very demanding, but obviously it's something you love to do and that's awesome. So what is the most fulfilling part of your job right now? I would say the most fulfilling part is definitely meeting our viewers in public, whether I'm out shopping at Target or I'm out 
representing WENY at a local community event a couple months ago in March, I believe, double March, of course, for St. Patrick's Day. I actually emceed one of the local St. Patrick's Day parades in the area. And afterwards, so many people are coming up to me saying, Katarina, I watch you every morning. Thank you for all all that you do. Keep bringing us that good news. We love watching you. And just hearing all of that makes me so happy because that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to go into journalism and I wanted to go into specifically broadcast news because people will continuously watch you and they have that trust in you to be able to give them truthful, objective news. And of course, on social media, you'll see a lot of people give hate comments to our station and saying we are biased, we're spreading fake news. And of course, that's simply because they don't want to believe it. Believe me, I don't have time to go write fake news stories or stories that I want to be my reality. I don't have time for that. None of us have time for that. We just want to make sure that we're giving you guys the most up-to-date, accurate information possible. So whenever we do actually meet people who have bright smiles on their faces because they're so excited to meet us and tell us about how they love waking up with us in the morning, it's truly such a great feeling to have. That sounds that sounds just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the community aspect of it, that's that's fantastic. And before I let you go, what advice would you give current students studying journalism, particularly in the Northeast? Like I mentioned earlier with your reel, have it, have it be public. Send it wherever possible. Have it be accessible to wherever possible because you will never know what opportunities will be granted to you through that program because or through that tactic. Because if I hadn't put my reel on YouTube to public, I wouldn't have my dream job today. I wouldn't have my news director reach out to me and be a morning news anchor. I didn't even think it was possible to be a morning news anchor right out of college. And also do not always strive to go to a bigger market. I know so many people want to go into a top 50 market right out of college or even a top 100 market right out of college. Yes, I am the morning news anchor. It is in a smaller market. We're in we're market 178. And when you account live stream and stuff, it's more like a market 120. But again, I wouldn't be a morning news anchor. And there are still people that are right out of college that don't get those opportunities in smaller markets as well. So don't necessarily strive for the bigger places, because if you go to smaller places, you can get better experience to go even further. And I will say one of the things I'm most proud of at my job was two months into my position as a morning news anchor, I got to interview Tommy Hilfiger because he's from Elmira. So don't be scared about going to a small area because I was a little bit scared about going to Elmira. I didn't know that was Tommy Hilfiger's hometown and that he came to open up a new school at Elmira College. So you never know. There's always an opportunity that will present itself, even if you may not think there is. So spread yourself everywhere, like I said. Put yourself public, make yourself known wherever possible, and don't limit yourself. Because if I limited myself to just the New England area and the New York City, Long Island area, I would not have had all the opportunities that I do today. Certainly sound advice. And once again, that was Katerina Balalis, a 2021 Hofstra graduate, and now a morning news anchor and producer of WENY-TV. Thank you so much for joining me, Katerina. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. And welcome back. Thanks to Danny for that interview with Canarita Valales. Definitely fun to see over there. Uh, but now it is the final time for Matthew D. Domenico. So, Matt, you have the floor for the remaining five minutes. Say your piece, and we will send you on the way. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank Danny for uh, creating this opportunity. Um, I'm not sure he realizes how, how cool it is that he's doing that. Um, just giving, you know, anyone the opportunity to you know, have their uh, last, um, have their, you know, a special last uh, visit to the uh, WRHU microphone. So I think it's very cool. And thank you once more. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm hopefully gonna, you know, make this brief because, uh, you know, I got to learn to be concise. It's something we've, we're taught <laughs> a lot as journalists and, and as broadcasters, you know, don't talk too much. But um, yeah, um, I'm 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 leaving. Um, I'm I'm going to be graduating. Maybe doing graduate school. I'm not sure, but um, I'm excited for what the future holds. Scared, as a lot of people are. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, there's a lot, you know, uh, a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of things that are uh, waiting for me. And um, 
and you know graduating like I, I told my parents this but i'm like i'm gonna do it but i'm not even like crazy about like doing the whole ceremony and stuff like that grabbing my diploma i'd much rather just be like get it in the mail you know like like my dad did um he, he well what he literally just didn't tell his parents about the graduation he literally just got in the mail and um his mom was like uh, what do you got there and he's like oh my diploma oh when's your graduation last week so um that 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 would be cool but um nah um i just feel like i have so much more to do and if i'm gonna take this uh, time to do anything it's gonna be calling my shot because uh i think uh, and I truly have belief that if I put my mind to it, if I put the hard work in, and um, if I work harder um, at this and, 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 and towards my future than I ever have, then I got a lot of good things in store for me, as I feel like everybody else does if they, if they put in that effort and if they bet on themselves. Because um, I think um, just in general, um, it's, you know, other people make it hard to, to believe in yourself. and. Um, I think you just have to, I think you have to just block it all out. And uh, as somebody uh, who, uh, somebody who has been uh, the beneficiary of a lot of uh, support from their parents, um, you know, shout out to my mom and dad, um, who had them put a lot more effort uh, to, uh, with me uh, growing up than they uh, did other, uh, other kids. Um, I want to show them that it's worth it, that all that work, all that, uh, all that sacrifice and all the, um, Everything they did was worth it, as, and that's 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 my goal because, um, you know, I'm not sure a lot of people know this, but I'm on the autistic spectrum, um, and I uh, didn't have it, um, you know, I wasn't, um, it, it wasn't the uh, typical, uh, you know, it wasn't the uh, typical way to grow up, but uh, because of my parents um, believing that I could um, do just as anyone else did, um, I'm where I am now, and I think I have. Uh, they've they've set me up to do whatever, um, do whatever it is I can, and and be the beneficiary of all the hard work that um, I am able to do. And and some people, you know, God bless, aren't aren't uh, as you know in in my position, or, or, or actually you know a lot worse in my, uh, than my position, are um, you know aren't given the same opportunity. And I just you know want to thank my parents for for doing that for me and for believing me even still, even when, you know, sometimes I, you know, don't give them a lot to believe in. Um, I want to thank them for that. And um, once again, this is not going to be the last time you hear me. It's not, maybe not be under, uh, it won't be under the WRHU banner, but it's going to be somewhere. I, I, I can promise you that um, because um, with all the great support, great friends, great family that I have, I refuse to allow myself to um, do anything less than, they expected me and uh, anything less than, um, you know, the, anything less than they deserve to see. Um, you know, I'm confident, you know, of course I'm scared. Of course I'm nervous. That happens, you know, and, and, and it's not going to be without fail. Um, you know, I'm going to fail more just as I have during my entire four years of college. There's been a lot of failure. I've been humbled. Um, throughout these four years, whether it's through COVID, things that have nothing to do with college, shouldn't have been part of the college experience, or things that just fit right in there with, you know, losing, making friends, losing friends, um, you know, experimenting with, you know, being yourself and, you know, it not working out sometimes and, and learning and learning and learning. I'm going to take every single, every single opportunity to learn from my mistakes, learn from my failures and, and, and turn them into successes. Um, because, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that count on me and that's a lot of that, uh, counting on me that are believing on, uh, in me and, uh, they deserve nothing less than to have that belief fulfilled. And, um, yeah, um, you know, thank you everyone who's watching right now. Uh, sorry that I'm kind of, um, you know, you, you don't know me for, for through a hole in a wall. I'm just I'm just some college kid, but um, I promise this ain't uh, this is gonna be the last time you hear me. It's gonna it's you're going to hear me again, and it's gonna be on a much bigger stage. Um, I love music, I love 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 music. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to talk about it. I want to breathe it in. I wanna uh, I I, I want to uh, be a part of music, um, and, and, and until until I'm out of here. So. Um, you know, thank you to music for, for just being an amazing outlet for me and, you know, for, for making me, um, giving me uh, kind of an, a, a space to, to live and breathe where, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to do that in college. You know what I mean? Um, you feel, you, you, you feel um, 
like you're not really listened to a lot. You don't really feel like you're as comfortable and, you know, uh, a lot of the time. And music always gave me that opportunity to be in my own zone, uh, to be in my own zone, not making music, but just listening to it, writing about it, talking to it, examining it. That's what I want to do. And um, I'm going to do it. And um, once again, uh, thank you, Danny, for the opportunity. Thank you to everybody is, who is uh, listening right now. And um, my name is Matthew DiDomenico, and uh, you're going to hear that name again. Applause, applause, applause. I really hope you do keep doing music reports, Matt. I think music has a big impact on everyone in different ways. And we've been very happy to have you a part of our Friday morning show team. But before we head out, do you guys have any weekend plans? The banquet tonight, WRHU yes, banquet. Yes, of course, yeah. the banquet. We're going to go crazy. going to go crazy. <laughs> That'll be super fun. Just getting ready for finals. WRHU banquet tonight, finals Saturday, Sunday. That's right. Very, very true, very true. <laughs> But that concludes our Friday show here, the real last one on the morning wake-up call. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Friday edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake-Up Call. Tune in next Monday at 8 a.m. to hear Michaela Bullard and yours truly, Becca Williams, kick off a new week of the Morning Wake-Up Call only on 88.7 FM WRHU. WRHU is underwritten in part by Christopher Cavallero and ARC Excess and Surplus, LLC.